If you need to remember something and it's important, then make it stick out. Find a way to make it visual. Write it down differently. And a great way to do that is with mind maps. Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello. Yep, I'm outside again. (laughs) I just quite like this idea of coming outside in the fresh air and talking to you, instead of just talking to you from the studio. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to give a mention to a few people who regularly support this podcast. They either do it on social media, or they do it in the real world, or they do it just with their ideas and their encouragement. There's loads of people, and I won't be able to mention everyone in this episode, so what I'm going to try to do is pick up a few people to thank in each episode in the future. So the first one is Lisa. Um, You've heard her talking with me over the kitchen table, and I need to thank her because she puts up with me being locked in the studio for hours, often being antisocial and miserable, just so I can make this for you. So let's thank her together. (laughs) Then there's my voiceover buddies. There's Mel, Carrie, Debbie, Mike and Guy who are always encouraging and who help me tremendously. What's that noise? See, if you listen carefully, there's a dual carriageway not very far away from where we live. So there's that. Um, There's someone cutting wood. It's amazing, actually, really, isn't it, when you pay attention to the sounds around you. Anyway, where were we? Oh, well, talking about audio. The next bit is um, people that inspire me or give me good ideas or tips in terms of audio production. So you've got people like Chris Curran, Mike Del Gordio, and then on Facebook there's groups like the Podcasters World and the Podcast Editors Club. And speaking of podcasts, there are some very cool fellow podcasters and I thoroughly recommend their episodes. There are five I'm going to mention in this episode. The first one is Witch Murderer, which is a compelling true crime podcast hosted by Holly and Gemma, and they ask you to decide who done the murder, or murder. Sorry about that. Um, The next one's Release the Clowns. That's 15 minutes of proper silliness. It's out every Monday. I really like that one. The One You Feed is one of my all-time favourites, and that's just about how to become a better you. Then there's The Casual Birder, and that's a podcast where Susie introduces us to the delights of the bird world casually. And finally, in this episode, the Yes But Why podcast, all the way from Austin, Texas, that features different conversation each week talking to improvisers, comedians, actors and writers about their creative careers. So there you go, a bunch of wonderful people. Thank you so much for your support, your ideas, your encouragement, and I'll put links to all those amazing people in our show notes. Right, let's get on with this episode. It's episode 58, and it's all about mind maps. We're going to talk about what they are, how they can help you, and, trigger warning, this episode does contain a section with a ridiculous amount of schmaltzy cuteness in it. Now, when I was researching for this, I knew that mind maps came from Tony Buzam. And he brought the idea to the public's attention initially in a BBC television programme in the 1970s called Use Your Head. Here's the theme tune. 
Oh, no, hang on. That's Use Your Head by Overkill. Um, I'm rubbish at searching on YouTube. Maybe I need a better method. Here we go. Use Your Head from BBC Television in 1974. Now, for me, as a child of the 70s, the music produced by the BBC Radiophonic Workshop is evocative of childhood television. From Doctor Who to Blake Seven, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the theme music and the incidental music was, at the time, the cutting edge of electronic music production. But these were the days when synthesizers were in a wooden case and recording was done on actual tape. Now, don't worry, this episode's not about me revisiting sci-fi programmes from 1970s television. Um, I might do that as a side episode. But the programme whose theme music you heard, the second one, not the heavy metal one, was Use Your Head, and it was introduced to us by a young Tony Buzan. There he was in his pale blue safari jacket with massive collars, and he helped us learn how our brain works, how it stores information, and how we can help it by taking notes and recording information in a way that helps the brain and doesn't work against it. He then went on to explain the mechanisms that we understood at the time of how we read, how we see, and how we process information, leading to how we remember stuff. And we did a whole episode on memory um, back in some time ago. I can't remember. I, honestly, I, that's not a joke. It's not meant to be a joke. We did do an episode on memory. By all means, go back and have a look at it. But this episode's not about how we remember. It's about mind maps. And remembering things is just one way that they can help you. In this television programme, Tony explains that just because written information is presented to us in a linear way, that's not how our brain actually reads and processes it. Here's a snip where we learn the difference between how words are written on a page and how we process them. The same thing applies to print. When we are reading the lines, our mind is busy making associations, building images, going through exactly the same intricate processes as for speaking. So our minds don't work in patterns, <laughs> don't work in lines. <clears throat> Make sure you remember that, don't work in lines, they work in patterns. And I'm going to now give an example of how we can use this. It's interesting how they kept that, where he messed it up. It's interesting how they kept it in. I do that. In fact, here's a secret. Sometimes I even put them in on purpose. That's because our brains can recall information better if we have a range of different thoughts and contexts kind of glued to it to help it stick. Our brains get bored easily, and then it's hard work to remember stuff. But if an unexpected event happens, then you remember the thing that you associate with it. Television. So anyway, at this point in the BBC show, Tony starts to introduce the idea of mind maps. So, what is a mind map? Well, luckily, a slightly older Tony appears on this video from 2015. And in this video, he explains what a mind map is and how they work. Here's a snip. These are techniques for thinking 
that over 40 years and thousands of years of experience and research have been found to be the ways in which we think most effectively. And I studied neurophysiology, I studied psychology, I studied psycholinguistics, I studied pre-medicine, I studied the notes of the great thinkers, and I studied myself. What actually worked for me and what didn't. I do recommend that after you've listened to this podcast, you go and find that clip from the show notes and have a look. It's really helpful. Now, sadly, um, we lost Tony last year in April of 2019. He died at the age of 76 from a heart attack. So let's look at the legacy of what he left, mind maps, how you can use them to help you get even better at taking notes, recording information and learning. A mind map is a way of recording information as a diagram. And at its heart, it's simple. You start off with a concept at the centre. So um, your concept might be write a podcast or set up a meeting or, I don't know, a presentation on woolly hat manufacture from the 1800s. Then from that central idea, you fire off connected ideas or thoughts that relate to that central concept. Let's stick with woolly hat manufacturers, shall we? Um, so you might have one idea that relates to woolly hat manufacturer about where they're made. Um, another idea is about different types. Um, the wool that they're made from could be a different idea. The style might be an area. Um, the fourth area could be the history. Now, according to Mr. Buzan, it's more useful to use single words in your mind map if you can. It helps you remember and it helps you recall things more easily instead of sentences. So in our woolly hat mind map, at the centre we've got woolly hats. Then round the outside, in four circles joined to the centre, you've got one circle that says manufacture, one that says wool, one that says style, and another one that says history. Given that the mind map is, a, is quite a visual thing, I have realised it's actually quite difficult to show you something visual in a podcast. But fear not, dear listener, we have an ally to help us, your imagination. You are about to be bombarded with an overdose of cuteness in the next few minutes. I was going to use spiders, but I didn't want everyone abandoning the episode at this point. So instead of spiders, we're going to use a puppy. So for this bit to work, I need you to shut your eyes if you can. Please don't do that if you're driving or operating children. Um, only, only shut your eyes if it's safe to do so. Um, but if you can, shut your eyes and really try to picture these things as clearly as you can in your mind's eye. So the first thing you're going to picture... Oh, by the way, if you are driving or operating children, you might want to come back to this bit another time uh, or just please concentrate on what you're doing I don't want a puppy to be the reason that you've careered off the road so are you with me imagine in your mind's eye a cute little puppy now this puppy can be whatever breed that you like or know about it doesn't have to be a particular kind of puppy he can be brown black chocolate 
You choose. It's your imagination. Look at his cute little puppy face. Now, when you look at this particular puppy, you can see that he's got little red boots on. Ah, a cute little puppy in cute red boots, like little red wellies. Got it? Got it in your mind? Trust me, I know you're not seven. Um, <laughs> there is a reason I'm doing this. So, where were we? Um, red boots. They're really shiny, and he's really happy. And on each boot, there's a word written in white writing. White letters on shiny red boots. As you look, you can read the words. His front left boot says food. The front right one says health. The rear left one says money. And the rear right one says training. Four little boots, four different words. Food, health, money and training. Ah, isn't he cute? Now, have a closer look. The little boot that says health has got three little ribbons tied to the boot and each ribbon has got a picture on it. The first ribbon has got a picture of a vet. The second ribbon has got a picture of a park and the third ribbon has got a picture of a poo bag. Can you see these things in your mind's eye? When I wrote this, it, it felt a lot more sensible than it is sounding when I'm saying it out loud, but let's carry on. So, can you see these pictures in your mind's eye? Those pictures on the ends of the ribbons, a vet with their smiling face, a picture of a park in the sunshine, and a little poo bag. So, let's step away from the cute little puppy. See you later, mister. Right, why am I describing this ridiculously cute situation in excessive detail? Well, hopefully, you've got some images clear in your mind. A cute puppy, little red boots, the words food, health, money and training. And you might even be able to remember that on the health one, you had the little ribbons with the pictures of the vet, the park and the poop bag. Now, I do get that you are perfectly capable of writing a word in the centre of the page and then listing related things around it. I know you can imagine that. But what I'm hopefully illustrating is the power of imagery. Because you can just write words on your mind map and that's totally effective. But if you can draw images or use colourful lines, if you can be creative about how your mind map looks, it can have even more impact both in terms of how you remember things and how you can interpret each concept much more quickly. If it's visual, that's much stronger, much more powerful than if you're reading a word. It's up to you. But if you can do it more visually, the recommendations seem to be that that makes your map even more powerful. Ah, oh, look at him in his little red boots. <laughs> Hopefully by now, you can see that creating mind maps are a simple and more effective way of presenting or recording information than writing loads of words. But more effective at what? I mean, it might be a nice idea, but where and how do they actually help? Well, in a minute, I'm going to cover all of that and we're going to talk about where you can find all the resource. But first, I've got some bad news. Um, I thought we'd seen the back of him, but I'm sorry to say that Steve in the field is back. Somehow he discovered that we were talking about mind maps and he's decided to send us this. It's going to be rubbish. Hi, Steve. It's been a while. 
I've definitely sent you loads of stuff over the last few months, but I haven't really heard any of them on the podcast. I'm guessing you must just be too busy. Well, for this episode, I was determined to send you something accurate, something directly relating to the subject and helpful to your listeners. So, I've done some research on your chosen subject for this episode, and here it is, my contribution all about maps. Now, if you Google the word maps, something really weird happens. And I think this is a bit of an Easter egg that not many people know about. But the combination of the two words Google and maps in the Google search bar actually shows you a map. But that's not the strangest bit. Not only does it show you a map, but the map that they've chosen to use as an example is, guess what? The exact town that I live in. (laughs) How remarkable is that? Go on, try it now. If you and your listeners try it, you type the word maps into Google and you click on that and there you go. A map of the United Kingdom centred on Kidderminster. Now, listeners will know from my accent that I wasn't born in Kidderminster, but it's where I live now. And amazingly, the place, of all the places in the whole world, that Google Maps chose to show you on a map when you type in Google Maps. Finally, my claim to fame. Now, I know you're a stickler for detail, Steve, so my research didn't just end there, in Kidderminster. It's amazing what you can find on the internet, all of the facts in one place. So, I proudly present my top 10 of map facts that no one knows. Number one. Not all maps are about Kidderminster. You can get a map of anywhere, really. You can get one of Birmingham, Wolverhampton, or even foreign countries like Devon. Number two. Maps don't just show you the dry parts of the land. They also show you where all the wet bits are, like Scotland. Number three. Maps were invented by a man called Atlas. Now, he apparently used to hold the world on his back. And you'll be pleased to know that these round maps actually got named after him, and they're called atlases. Number four, the world's largest atlas is 40,000 kilometres in circumference. And if you were to drive around this atlas at 60 miles an hour, it would take a remarkable 20 days. wonder where they keep it. Number five, Maps actually come in all shapes and sizes, and sometimes you can fold them up easily to put them in the glove compartment of your Ford, your Toyota, or even a Hyundai. Or as they say in America, Hyundai. Most maps are colourful, which is fine, if you can see alright, but not if you're colourblind. Because, sadly, colourblind people can't see anything that's made out of a colour. So, maps are totally useless to them. Come on, Google, sort your maps out. Number seven. Whilst doing my research, I had an email from someone claiming that he could read maps backwards, but I deleted it because it was spam. Number eight. So sometimes you can find a map in a town or on a street or sometimes on a hill. And usually they're a big map in a frame or they're stuck on a wall or something. 
and very often they have an arrow pointing in the middle of the map that says, you are here. Amazing! How do they know? Number nine, old-fashioned maps are called cartography. And in the olden days, people had to draw maps with a pen just by looking around them and drawing what they saw. Like an artist, but useful. Number 10. Maps aren't just about places. You can have maps of anything these days. Maps of space, political maps, weather maps. You can even have a map of your mind. Remarkable. So there you go, Steve. I think this is my best work yet. I know you and your audience are going to love it. That's my contribution to your episode all about maps. Have a great day. He's an idiot. Why do we why do we even listen? Why do we even bother putting it up? Honestly, I've lost the will to live now. Right. Where were we? Mind maps, Steve. Mind maps. Okay. Let's find out more about how they work and what they're good for. Here's Hazel Wagner at TED, who can tell us more. Write down keywords, write down short phrases, and very important, the connections between these things. You build out radially, so in the center is the topic, or the name, or the person, or the question, and you build out completely free form. Writing, doing your branches, and writing what's on it, whatever works for you. And sometimes, there was a subject you were paying attention to and writing something on one branch, and suddenly later, something else comes comes up or you think of something, you go back and add it to that branch. Completely free form, again, very personal, the way it works for you. So you can go back to looking at it. You are thinking, you're not blindly documented. You're not blindly transcribing something. You're thinking about how does it fit together, how does it work, and how will I remember it when I need to. Now I recommend watching this whole video, it's really helpful, it's simple and it tells you loads and of course the link will be in the show notes. So let's just recap where we were. A mind map is a visual way of representing information and ideas. You start with your subject at the centre, you join it up with ideas around the outside and each of those then joins up with related ideas and so on. So that's what it is, but what's it for? How can they help? Well, for our first example, we're going to go back to Tony again. He did a TEDx talk in 2012, and this is about the idea of coming up with ideas. And when you listen to Tony's calm, gentle delivery, you can still hear the passion in his voice as he tells us this simple story about a little boy and some paper clips. Genius. This was a study done with these little children, and they were asked to generate as many ideas or uses for a paperclip they could think of in 10 minutes. This is the first example. The little boy, 10 minutes, he generated four ideas. Four ideas. His researcher, a lady, Amerik Jenkins, <clears throat> taught him for one hour only that radiant human language and thus mind maps. He had one hour lesson and then he was asked the same question, how many can you think of? And he was thinking of an elastic band. How many uses for an elastic band? 
same time, same paper, same fundamental equipment, same brain, one hour later, that's what he did. <laughs> 22 ideas. And he got no more marks for anything else. But you look at those lovely little circles. What are they? They're his feet. Those are his little trousers. Those are his little hands. And what's that rising sun above the elastic band? That's his head. And when he did it, in the beginning of the first test, he was saying, I can't, I'm not very creative, I'm not very creative vocally. When he did that, he looked up at the researcher and he said, I'm a genius. <laughs> Watch the film, the link is in the show notes, and there's a really nice picture that the little boy drew with his little legs sticking out from below. It was very cute. Now, mind maps are not just about creativity. According to an article by iMindQ, which is a company that produces mind mapping software, here are 10 real-life uses of mind maps. Number one. Memorizing. Now, this article explains two things here. It says that research approximates that between 80 to 90% of the information received by the brain comes through the eyes, and approximately 65% of the population are visual learners. Using that visual input makes it easier for us to recall the information even after longer periods of time. Number two, organizing ideas. So using mind maps to organize ideas makes it much easier to see the connections between ideas by seeing them in a, in a non-linear fashion, which is different to writing. Number three, brainstorming sessions. So mind maps are dynamic and they can follow the fast changing tempo of a brainstorming session. So using a mind map format can help people to open up because new ideas aren't restricted. Number four, attractive presentations. Now research from as long ago as the 1980s shows that presentations using visual aids were found to be 43% more persuasive than unaided presentations. Now I remember visual aids from the 80s, acetate sheets on an overhead projector, pictures on a blackboard or a television on a big table on wheels that they used to wheel in with a video recorder underneath it as big as a suitcase. Anyway, sorry, I'm going back off the subject. Attractive presentations. So this article explains that mind maps are excellent for presentations because they provide a well-organized flow that's easier to grasp. Your map will probably be what they remember the most. Number five, simplifying complex ideas. So as Leonardo da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. We can see how mind maps can help get complicated ideas across much more simply than just in a list or just a text-only way of showing information. Number six, case studies. And this was a bit loose to me. I don't see this as being the strongest benefit, but what they say in this article is that case studies should have a logical structure and a clear outline. So consider presenting it in the form of a mind map, which will be minimalistic and simplified. Number seven, problem solving. Now, I do really strongly agree with this. That connection between problem solving and using a visual way to represent the elements, the bits of the problem, can really work. 
Plus, you'll also have like a bird's eye view of that bigger image and maximizing the potential of choosing the right solution. Number eight, project management. So this actually pulls together, I think, some of the earlier points. If you're managing any kind of project, then you have lots of bits that need to be organized. They need to be remembered, they need to be sorted out. You might get new ideas to develop the project in unpredictable directions, and you can use it to divide areas of responsibility, because just by looking at the mind map, you can see whether the workload is divided properly. Number nine, this area is called sourcing. Now, in this article, they define sourcing as it relates to recruiting. But I think sourcing could actually be anything that you need to buy, invest in, or discover. And it can help you work out which bits are important and which aren't. So when you're buying a car, for example, key branches off the idea of buying a car could be style, practicality, cost, and then cost could split off into fuel consumption, servicing cost, how you're gonna pay for it, and so on. And number 10, summarizing. So whether that's books you've read, films you've seen, your weekly tasks, anything, you'll remember the summary much longer than if you've written it down in the form of a paragraph because, as I mentioned earlier, our brain works by visualizing and organizing. And since a picture is worth a thousand words, you could try producing your first mind map, if you haven't done one before, based on this article by putting the words mind map in the middle and then the 10 ideas we've just shared around the edge, and then you can see how you can make them work for you. A mind map of a mind map. And this iMindQ is a great resource. I'll put the link to their site in the show notes, not just because they're trying to sell you their software, but they have a great blog, and that's where I found this article. It tells you loads more about how we could use mind maps in all sorts of areas, communication, planning a holiday or a vacation, writing essays, having meetings, it can help with your goals and financial planning, um, really useful for planning an event like a wedding, or creativity, for example, could be producing a podcast. And yes, before you ask, I do use a version of mind mapping to make this podcast. So I use a bit of software called Scapple. It works uh, exactly like a mind map. You have a central idea, you write other ideas around it, you can link them, move them around, fire off other ideas, and eventually, hopefully, we end up with an episode that's got enough variety and interest, but flows in an order that makes sense to you, and it's useful. Well, apart from the bits that got Steve in the field in anyway, but I reckon you know what that's all about, really. Television. So that's an introduction to the idea of mind maps. Before we hit the takeaways, you might remember that I used a puppy to show that being visual can help a mind map convey ideas more strongly because they stand out. That image of a puppy might be the thing you remember most strongly from this episode because you took the time to really think about it visually. You saw that image in your mind's eye, in his little red boots. It's easier to remember because it's visual. And that's the point. We can help our memory by making the mundane, the everyday, we can make it visual or we can make it stand out because that's how our brain works. You might also remember that during this episode, a couple of times, you heard a weird noise and I randomly said the word television. Can you remember how many times that happened? If you said it was twice, then you're right. But here's a question. How many other times have I used the word television? It might surprise you if you go back and listen. 
Now, those other occasions don't stick out because the word television was buried in a heap of other words. And at the time, that word in isolation wasn't important. So the suggestion is that if you need to remember something and it's important, then make it stick out. Find a way to make it visual. Write it down differently. And a great way to do that is with mind maps. Here's the takeaways. Start with a large sheet of paper. You can use software if you prefer, but personally, I think the connection of paper and pens helps really reinforce what you're writing. Put the main theme or concept in the middle, and if you can make it an image that clearly shows you what it's about, that would really help. Create thick branches radiating out from the center, and you can use different colors for different kinds of things. So, Maybe blue for financial things, red for actions, whatever works for you. List the related ideas around the central idea. So in our example of woolly hats, we had manufacture, wool, style and history. And then from each smaller idea, then you can fire off branches with connected bits. So in our puppy example, in the area of health, we then had vet, taking him to the park for walks, and of course his poop bag to make sure that everyone's healthy. Once you've come up with loads of ideas and colors and themes, it might be worth stepping away from your mind map, go and have a cup of tea or something, and then come back so your brain can reflect on what you've done because you'll definitely come up with even more ideas. And then once the mind map is complete, that becomes your central reminder for the things that you need to do or present. It can help you create an action list for a project, a contact list for people to speak to, an ideas list for visiting the DIY center. It's really endless and the key is it's not just a pretty picture, but it's a real practical way of seeing and remembering and sharing all the pieces that relate to your central theme in one place to help you do that thing, to help you work on that idea and to help you get even better than before so you can spend less time doing the things you have to do so you can spend more time doing the things you want to do. All the links, resource and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful, and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do, and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful, and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. Or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. <laughs>